Charlie. It's very simple. No bullshit news. Like most of your stories, it's false. No bullshit news. Stop with the media bullying, Charlie. No bullshit news. Hot dog. No, no, no shame in my game. Wait, hey, look at me once. You look at me twice. Look at me again and is it gonna be a fight? We're gonna rock this town. We're gonna rip this place apart. All right, here we go. What's happening, everybody? Coming to you, no bullshit news hour, coming to you on 9, 10 a.m. as well. Monday, 4 o'clock to 5. Hey, Bob, we're all alone today. I poured you a whiskey. Well, I saw that, and uh, thank you very much, no sir. Aaron, no Jason, no Scholar Jason. and a gentleman. Cheers, man. Cheers, brother. It's good to say I love you, you know what I mean? Thinking about Tony Bourdain. Absolutely. It's this Sunday night, it, you, you know, you download this Sunday. Uh, tune into CNN tonight, Bourdain's last, last episode like gone a, but not forgotten like a big brother to me that guy like a big brother he, he did some amazing shit he did well anyway let's uh, we'll get to that at the end of the show uh, look uh, I, we had the elections Tuesday I want to bring the Ayatollah of Poland Rola onto the show Ed Sarpolis of Target Insight the executive director you, you hear me Eddie I can hear you good how are you, bro? Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I just first of all, let's just get right into this. I want to look at the national election first. Let me ask you: Was there a blue wave? Uh, yes, there was. Not a tidal wave, but there was a blue wave. Explain that to me. I mean, you know, the, the Republicans took probably three seats in the Senate, which is an anti-wave, and then what? What the the Democrats took thirty seats in the House. Well, actually, they're moving up well past the 30 if things continue. And on the Senate race, there's, there's two or three Senate races still up for, for up for recount. There's Arizona, there's Florida, and a couple other ones. So there's a possibility that that Senate thing might be chipped away. But the important thing for the Democrats, going into the election, uh, the talk was at least the House. The Senate was a little bit harder and because of the, the, the nature of the, of the states. But the bottom line for Democrats to regain control possibly more than 30 uh, not only did they, they picked up uh, a larger, uh, they picked up a number of governor seats. They flipped like 14 legislatures. Uh, for for them, uh, that's a wave. Maybe not a tidal wave, but it is a wave. And remember, if this was if it wasn't talked about early in advance, we'd be saying it would be. But right now, I'd say for them, the fact that they're regaining some bases back, I think that's important. Yeah. Well, is that uh, a sign of the times, or is that how things work in America? Because correct me if I'm wrong. Bill Clinton was elected in 92, and in the midterms in 94, he lost both houses. Is that right? Correct. Okay, and Bush was elected in 2000, and by 2006, he lost both houses, correct? Uh, but, but Bush, the, the second time he got reelected, that didn't always happen. So the point being is the important to understand this does not always happen, okay? Wait, one more, one and, more, one uh, more though. One more is very important. Obama was elected in 2008, and he lost the house— in 2010, mm-hmm. with 63 seats going Republican, and then the Senate, and what, uh, 14, and what was that, nine Senate seats flipped to the Republicans? My, my question being, is this the new American way where the middle's forever shifting because the middle is forever unsatisfied? Oh, that's, well, that's, that's been going on since life and history, but what's important to understand is, is that what we're saying here is, is, is that where are things starting to change? Uh, we got redistricting coming up in four years. 
and uh, Republicans are fighting it harder and harder to control places. I mean, when you look at Texas, the fact that they came with almost a, you know, a few inches of winning that seat, that's what's, what's changing. That's the way. Because Democrats in Texas, if you talked to them last year, they were hoping to maybe win something or even come close in about 10 years as demographics shifted. So we are seeing some shifts change, uh, and that's what's important are their shifts. Back in 1990, the Census Bureau predicted that, uh, you know, uh, by another 10 years, the, the white population will not be the majority population in the, in the country and not the voting majority of a voting population either. So this is a, this is a movement. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, there's no, no, no sense fearing a caramel planet. You know what I'm saying? I look, right. at, it, I look at it like this. Ted... Cruz is probably the biggest douchebag in politics I've ever met. The guy is a phony piece of wood. So that would make him that, that sort of styrofoam stuff you glued to your wall to make it look like you had pillars like your mom did back in the Could it be that they just put up bad candidates like Bill Schuette? You got waxed here. Is it, is it the party? Is it the principles of conservatism? Or is it it's still just all you know, uptight sort of white guys, even though well, Cruz is, you know... Well, well, well it's white. still white guys, but in, in Texas, it's we still, still don't have all of the, 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 the people of color voting in these elections, okay? Uh, so it's getting them motivated. But here, for example, here in Michigan, we go back to the 11th Congressional District. This which, is the first which one is time... That? Which one is that? That's, the, that's where the Haley Stevens uh, beat uh, Lena Epstein, the David Congressman Trotsky, okay? Yeah. Uh, we got this. That's sort of a microcosm of Texas. Not the same makeup, but the point being, for the last 15, 20 years, that district had a growing population of, of Pakistanis, Indians, Chaldeans, whatever like that. Up until recently, were not registered to vote. Okay. Yeah. They were not active vote. And so, what had happened here is, is that you got now these these people population have settled in. They're now registered to vote. They're now voting. In Texas, you're finally getting Hispanic population, people of color, finally getting registered to vote and actually voting. Uh, we saw this in Holland, Michigan, believe it or not, over the last 30 years. Most of the people who were Hispanic in Holland, Michigan, uh, on the west side of the state, uh, basically were immigrants here coming, picking crops for a decade. Finally, their kids grew up and got to be So now Hispanics make up a large part of the elected forces in Holland. So the, where the shift is is that people who basically had the right to vote were not doing that. We're seeing a movement to, I am going to vote. Right. And are we seeing younger voters? Uh, yes, there's an increase. Uh, well, it's going to be an increase because a lot of the old farts are dying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old fart. I don't think, I don't okay. think that's you funny. That's kind of morbid. It's kind of, kind of morbid. Yeah, but, but, but you got to admit, Fred, the largest population there's been since the 1950s is the baby boomer generation, okay? We've dominated politics now for, for almost three decades. And uh, it's the bottom line, the fact that we're not getting into those 70s and 80s and uh, you know, ten thousand, whatever. We're getting to the point. We're gonna, we're start dying off. Okay, we're starting reaching those populations. So yes, it's gonna start getting younger, because no longer the largest birth population after the Second World during the Second War is now beginning to fade. Same thing happened with Reagan Democrats in the eighties. Uh, the average Reagan Democrat, uh, when they were voting for Reagan, were already uh, near sixty years of age, and uh, they, you know, so bottom line, they faded off, and we became the dominant, the baby boomers. So this is a, this like a cyclical. But we are seeing some changes in demographics, people actually getting involved. And that is younger people. But more importantly, it's not only younger, but college-educated people, okay? When I look at the people in Michigan who voted for Bill Schuette, the plurality of his vote were less than, less than college-educated or less than uh, community college-educated, okay? So there's also much more educated workforce who are not as loyal to one party or the other. Well, let me go like this. Demographics aside, all right? 
let's just talk about what people are. You talk about Pakistanis, Hindus, Chaldeans, Hispanics, yeah. blacks. I, by nature, all of these people are conservative people. They're family people. Yeah. They're working yes, people. They are. They're people into education. Yeah. Naturally, the way they look at life is in a, through a conservative lens. Would you agree with that? As on moral issues, social issues, I, I agree, and religious issues. But when it comes to governmental issues, it's a little bit different. Okay, well, what is that? The, but the bigger point is, how do the Republicans open their tent? How do they not look like, like uh, old white guys? I mean, to, naturally. I don't know that they can. I, I think they can, but I, want to, I don't know, Bob, what a Democrat is, except we're not Trump or, you know, we're not white. And a lot of Democrats. Well, I Charlie Duff and, and Bob there, the fact those who lean Democratic, you maybe you are white, okay? Yeah, exactly. Christian Whitmer is white, okay? Joe Biden is white, okay? <laughs> Let's get real here. That's true. We, but, there but, are white people in the Democratic Party. The majority, I think, of here. Democrats are white. Well, and they're getting well, the more, majority is they're they're less more, and less. They're getting more college-educated people, too, trying to Well, it, it's less and less. I'm just saying, like, how people break. So yeah. who, who broke here Ed, in this election? Who, who created the blue ripple? Was it? Uh, it was, well, essentially it was, uh, uh, was women, um, Republican women also. They didn't switch parties. They just decided that they didn't want to do this uh, again. This election was a repeat of 1974, 75, and 76 during the Nixon era, okay? Uh, I, I was the pollster of record for the Dick Van Vanderlaan special election when Jerry Ford became vice president, okay? And that election, I was consulting Dick Van Reen as a college student. And what we did to win that special primary, uh, actually a general election, was the fact that 60% of Republican women switched and vote Democratic and they retired of the Republican males telling them how to vote. So let's bring it to okay? let's bring it up to today. So basically white women are the swing vote. Yes. White women decide which way the country goes. You know, in terms It's always been that way. It's always been that way since the 60s. So maybe the Republicans, if you want to hold on for a couple more years is you ought to stop lecturing women about their vaginas. You better talk about education. You better talk about equal pay and just some equity, which is what most Americans are looking for. Would you agree that's a that's a decent stance? Oh, I would agree with that. And, and those who are conservative but still support Democrats, basically they're looking for that security net. So if something does happen, they know the government's there. Not necessarily want government in their life always. Uh, when David Bonnier was winning in the northern Macomb County in the conservative areas of St. Clair County, he was not winning that because he was a Democrat or a liberal. Is because he represented the safety blanket and the safety net that those conservative voters were looking for when things got bad. Well, let's keep it to today, Edward. John uh, Bonnier. I mean, that's long gone. Let me look at it this way. In Michigan, Whitmer killed Shooty by 10, just what you called. You predicted that. Yeah. But she has no coattails. Uh, the, the well, the reason she didn't have any coattails, well, you and I talked about this the other day. Don't tell the, the audience that. This is supposed to be unrehearsed. Okay, it's but all it's, very fresh. It's no bullshit news. You're right. We did talk about the other day. But, but it was really interesting what you told me, so please. Well, the bottom line, the fact is, is that what happened is, is that 53% of the people who voted in Michigan said they were voting the way they were voting and why they did show up to vote is because they were voting because of Trump. And that 53% said they were also voting Democratic, I mean, Democratic. And also 53% also matched the identical percentage 
that Gretchen Whitmer got. There was not a vote for against Gretchen, not for against Shooty. This was we didn't want we didn't want another Trump. Shooty looked like Trump. Gretchen did not look like Trump. Okay, that's why we. That's why you had so many other women winning down the ticket. They were just tired of that what they were seeing and hearing. But there's and, no, there's, uh, and, there's, and and Shooty, yeah, that's what happened. But there's no appreciable movement in the legislature. How do you explain that? If, so that's because Democrats have no message for anybody north of Grayling. That's true. Huh. huh. And the bottom line, if they had, if they had, when Bart, Congressman Bart Stupak was up there, they were winning up to the bottom line, neither Barack Obama in 12, uh, whether it's Gary Peters, Debbie Stab, and all Gretchen Whitmer, no Democrat since 2008 has won any anything of any consequence north of Grayling in Michigan. Besides Trump is a bore and, you know, a, a liar and all of that, what do you think the Democrats have to do? How do they have to position position themselves? Do, do they have to go far left or do they got to come to the middle? Does the middle work or does a new alternative work? How do you see it? No, but you got to get back to how they used to win in the past. You got, you got to have a stance. You can't be in the middle ground. People get motivated because you take a stance. Because you got to remember there's the point when we Republicans go way to their right and we go way to the Democrats go way to the left. They all meet somewhere in the middle. Democrats are going to have to Right now, there's a mood for what you call uh, liberal. Well, it's more basically what the Republicans used to talk about in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, that type of thing. Uh, what changed in the fact when Democrats started winning on those issues, Republicans flipped again. Bottom line, Democrats have to say what they're for, what they're fighting for, okay? And when you look at some of the, for example, in Mississippi, where, where, where Democrats winning Congress seats in, in, in Mississippi and Alabama, that's because they took a stance on their issues. They're, people in those seats are not looking at those issues because you got to remember, People left, well, I'm going old school here, people left Detroit because they got tired of the many paying for the few. That was their perception. When the many feel, if the many feel that government's helping them, they're going to vote with the Democrats. What's happening is the fact that now the white the population is saying, those who vote Democrats are like, now you're taking care of me because Trump isn't taking care of me and my health care and my education. That's what's happened. That sounds middle ground to me, man. So it's- well, but I think, I think centrists lost out in this last yeah. election. People who put forth a progressive agenda like the Beto O'Rourke, Stacey Abrams. Well, I, I think they didn't win, but they're real, real close. They didn't win, and I, it, I, I think if you red. if you look at the totality of of what the Democrats uh, won, that you it's more middle ground. It's more health care. Yeah, but uh, Bredesen, the guy in Tennessee, he lost, and he was totally a centrist Democrat. Where you got guys like Beto O'Rourke, who was espousing a, a pro- progressive agenda. He did really, really well in Texas, and he lost. And, and, he, and he lost because he, right. But you got to remember, you, bottom line, what, sometimes you confuse the health care issue used to be a Republican issue. Okay, a lot of these things used to be Republican issues. Now they're going in order to stick to that ground, less than college aided conservative. Uh, I don't like what's going on. Uh, this reminds me of Mississippi burning when you know when it was asked, "Well, why did your dad kill that horse?" Because I didn't have one. That's why he killed the black man's horse. The bottom line, white saying, "I, I want, I still want my." Military, I still want this. I'm so conservative, but I want you to take care of me. That's no longer a centrist issue or a progressive issue. That's a conservative or liberal issue because people are saying the fact I'm not. My wages are not going up. I'm not seeing the jobs. My kids are still living at home. That's no longer a, a, a liberal or a central. It's, 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 it's a an issue, issue that we all believe in. So that's neither yeah. nef, left nor right nor center. Is it correct that, that more or less, twenty percent of the electorate's a Democrat, twenty percent is a Republican? And 60% yep. is an independent. Yep. So all these millions and cabillions are spent 
trying to manipulate my mind. I really do believe that equity, equity for all, is the way to go. Maybe I'm a dinosaur. Maybe I'm a dope. Well, we can, we will leave you with the dinosaur pick, but the, the dope probably not. <laughs> <laughs> is is that not right? Isn't it? I agree want with you, but I, I've been you know I've been living politics all my life, and you know the bottom line is is if the people feel that you're you're looking at their issues and you care about their issues, it's no longer left or right or progressive. Okay? For example, here's the case in point: George Soros, right? Right, the the, the epitome of Republicans attack him. Okay. Yep. And then you got the Koch brothers. Okay. Guess who's leading the charge on prison reform? George Soros and the Koch brothers together. Point being what? The point being, they're both left and right extremes. Bottom line is, we pick on people because we're assuming that that's our flag, why we're going to go against the other party. But Koch and Soros brothers are working agree on issues, and they're working together. Okay? Uh, when issues become an importance to both sides, they're no longer centrist progressive. They are an issue. Right now, health care is an issue for everybody. See, that, that? by the way, you just said the code word that's really annoying me now. Both sides. I really do get around this country. You know how many sides there are? More than two. There are thousands of sides. Thousands. Correct. And we have two choices, and it, it's becoming a silly parlor game to me. Well, I would agree with you, but the problem is, is that uh, we have yet, uh, we haven't had any major parties since the 1835s, the 1850s, the last major shift with the Whig Party. Uh, and the last other, other big shift was, was that happened in the 60s because of the, the Great Society. you got to remember, the Southern Democrats uh, uh, flipped to becoming Republicans, and then a lot of Republicans became Democrats, okay? Let me remind uh, you. And that was because of religious. That was, remember, all, all, all this whole thing about religious fervor, that used to be a Democratic issue until the 60s. Okay? Well, let, let, let me so re- things flip around. Let me remind the listener, and then you as, you know, the Ayatollah of Polarola can tell them. <laughs> If a third party receives 5% of the national vote, a third party receives 5% of the total national vote, that party in the next cycle receives federal matching funds for the money they raise. Meaning, Correct. let's take the Kavanaugh vote or the Betsy DeVos vote, right, where Pence has to come in and uh, give the deciding vote. If a third party has one Senate seat, well, that is a negotiable position for the third party, meaning I'll give you my vote, but this is what you got to give me. Isn't it time maybe we start building a third side and a fourth side if everybody's angry with the two sides? Uh, I would agree with you, but then you're going to have a British parliament. I don't know if we're ready to do that. They're groovy, baby. <laughs> I didn't say they weren't groovy. Well, I don't, I don't know that we're ready for that either. What? But but it seems like we're done with two parties. Well, then what's the, we're not ready for the alternative, but we're, we, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I I I, I would. What's wrong with the support. British system? What it doesn't work? I, I like Britain. It works. Hell, Brexit's kind of fucked up. Yeah, but the whole world's doing that. Ed, Bob, right? Yeah. The whole world. The, the British. Uh, I mean, the Brazilians elected far right. The. Most yeah. of Europe, look Look at, Russia has a new Stalin. Uh, um, Italy has a new Mussolini. Austria has a new Hitler. That's a little bit over the top. Poland's uh, got a fascist. Uh, Spain has a new Franco. The UK has a new Chamberlain. Germany has camps. Denmark has uh, official ghettos. 
Mexico had gasoline riots last year. 2008 is not over. That, that was just the seed sowing right there. That's what I see. Well, the, 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 other, the other thing we'd have to change, though, is our electoral college process and the way we elect president, okay? Um, right and, and, and so in order for some of this, more than, for example, when, when Ross Perot was in the party, okay, running, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the difficulty for him is the fact is that that was a man-made individual who made that, okay? After he left, it plummeted, okay? Remember Paul Simon from Illinois? He tried to create his third party. It didn't work, Okay. Um, the bottom line is going to have to be more than just a, a, a figurehead out there who's willing to, it's going to lead more than a couple of elections. We have to build a, a movement. Uh, you know, we've, we've, you know, and every party try to go through. The question is, is where are we going to see this movement? What's the longevity? The difficulty right. in our society, in fact, is we don't have anybody that can create a movement long enough to create that foundation, whether it's financing. That's the other issue is the fact is, is that, when you have, and, and right in California, it costs more to run a state house than a congressional seat in Michigan, uh, and, and, and Congressman Bishop's seat between Hard South Line, they spent $45,000 to try to protect Mike Bishop's seat Republicans did. $45 million. How'd that work out for him? Wow. It didn't. It didn't. Uh, you look, no. Laura, okay, the bottom line is a fact is that it's, it, 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 it's not only is, it, we, is a third party in place, yes, but the question is, Who's going to run that party? Who's going to build that voice? Who's going to maintain that voice? That, uh, we've all tried that. Okay, We've tried that in Michigan. We've tried that all over the place. And the question is, is, how do we get there? I agree with you. We need more people to break up. The reason Democrats are becoming more diverse is because it's being forced upon. Republicans don't have any division right there. There is no groups that are getting them to go back to where they were. There, there is no other than a white male party that's over 45, 50 years of age. You look at the Senate, most of them are in their 70s. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this. What was uh, Whitmer's statewide split total with the black vote? Well, this is important. This is where it's important to understand that shifts are happening with the Democrats. Okay? About four to five hundred thousand of the electorate were African-American voters uh, on election. Day, OK. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, people always decide decide was well, the, the black voted way Detroit. But well, that's not the case. Uh, about 36 percent of black vote went to Bill Shooty. What? And wait, whoa, yeah, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. About thirty-six percent of the total. Thirty-two. Black... It actually was thirty-two. Okay, was let's 32%. call it. Let's call it thirty. Thirty yeah. percent of the black vote in the state of Michigan went for yeah. Bill Shooty, wow. the Republican. Yeah. yeah. I smell. See, am I? I, I smell things changing. I smell up uh, that it's now beyond just race and gender. It's it's about. Your values. It's about economics. It is. Economics, it, baby. It's, it's economics. I need, well, I need, right. I need a the, job. That's shocking. That is well, shocking. the reason that, well, bottom line, the fact, uh, out of the, uh, 96% of the voters of Detroit voted for Gretchen. They have African-American vote. It's the people who leave Detroit who begin to become wealthy and successful, who begin to view themselves as Republicans. Blacks do it. Everybody does it as they get older. They, they, they want their wealth protected, okay? They, you know, they're... In some of the school districts that I work in, for example, once the African American people become wealthy, they don't want people of their, of their own same color coming to that school district. Okay? Ooh, what? So, wow. What? what, what? Did, <laughs> did you poll that? Tell me you polled that. Yes, so, I did. So, it, wait, whoa. You polled that? Yes, I did. So black people that are economically upwardly mobile don't want no poor people in their schools. Any other color. Don't want poor yeah, people in no schools. They're no different than any person of any other color. 
is it specifically they don't want poor black kids or just poor kids? Poor kids. Well, bottom line, in their areas, most of it is black kids. Dang. Wow. This is interesting. Wow. Okay, listen, um, Ed, you're, you're the man. You are the official pollster for the No Bullshit News Hour because you're no bullshit. Would you accept that, that title? Yes, I generally give no bullshit because you know both parties hate me in Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, brother. Well, I, I got I got a job for you though, Ed. Uh, you can you can pull people on what their favorite whiskey is. I'm going to say Jameson. Uh, okay. Did you, um, did you ever pull that? I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't go that far. Did you ever pull that? People's drinking habits and how they vote. Yes, I did. Well, actually, I've done. I'm basically, well, I also pulled on what body parts people steer and how they vote. So I've done all that stuff. What was the result? Yeah, give us give us a little taste. Well, this, he'll love this. The bottom line, I did this in 2002. In baseball, uh, I asked what body parts you stare at. And if you were a, a, a derriere person, you voted for uh, Governor Granholm. If you were a, a boo man, you voted, a boo booper, you voted for, you stared at breast. People assume that Dick Boston was a boob anyway, so. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> See, I'm a face man. Third party. There you go again. I'm all about Oh, the- I know that. But, but, but bottom line, I didn't ask you where your hands went. <laughs> Stay in your pockets. Take it easy, Weinstein. <laughs> All right. All right. Listen, Eddie, thanks. We're going to, we got to jump. We got, we got to talk about the pot thing with a pothead friend of ours. Thanks, well, you have Ed. a good day. All right, man. All right. Thanks, thanks, Ed. thanks Ed. That's our Polis Executive Director, Target Insight. Cool dude. Very cool. Cool dude. He's been around a while, man. He knows where the bodies are buried up there. Let me take this moment here to, uh, since we're talking about money and upward mobility and you want to stay upwardly mobile. Uh, Some of us are secure with our finances right now, but might not be as prepared as we need to be when planning for our future financial obligations, whether it be pension planning, life insurance. Yes, think about life insurance, college savings if you love your babies, or tax-deferred investments. Luke Nowacki can help answer all of your questions and help plan for your future finances. Call Luke at 248-663-4748. It rhymes, 248-663-4748. To set up a plan today. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member of FINRA, SIPC, Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Thanks for coming on with us, Lou. All right. So listen, man. Hey, uh, Bobby, we, uh, we got Anquanette dialed up here. Oh, that's yeah. cool. Anquanette, how you doing? Good. How about you? Real, you sound really excellent. Well, thank you. You just sound beautiful, as you always. Oh, appreciate that. So it's Anquanette Jameson. Sarfo, uh, sure. Sarfo, Sarfo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go, Bob. Yeah. Um, y'all remember from Fox Two, uh, the anchor in the morning, host, excellent person. You left. You left. What are you doing, Anquanet? Well, I am uh, medically retired due to multiple sclerosis. And um, so I am, um, all of a sudden, I became an advocate for um, the legalization of marijuana. And you're a Happy winner. And you're a winner as of Tuesday. Yay, yay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's been uh, a nice time uh, volunteering for the last two years to try to um, expand access. I mean, actually, I. Well, I believe that um, responsible adults have a right to make a decision that won't kill them. Um, I'm really an advocate for um, 
for legalization for adult use because I want more people with medical conditions to give it a try or at least have the option to give it a try. Um, Seems like everybody has something, so, so you have this may MS. be a does, way to help people. Does, does it help you? Mm-hmm. Does it? Does it? Absolutely. It's um, when I was diagnosed about five years ago. Um, they eventually put me on nine medications. I was sick all the time. Um, I started smoking uh, a year after I was diagnosed, and I'm no longer taking any of those nine medications. I only take medical marijuana. So you discontinued all of them. You weren't a pothead. You didn't smoke weed before you started feeling the effects of your disease. Correct. I did not. Um, I. Um, I mean. I had no problem with people doing it, and I, I tried it before, but, you know, I was in TV, and um, you're always subject to uh, the whims of management, so every three years I, you know, knew that I would have to do a drug test, most likely, and um, and also, I, you, you hear those rumors about munchies, and I work in a, I worked in an industry that was appearance-driven, the last thing I wanted to do was, <laughs> you know, Pack smoke weed on. and have the munchies all the time, yeah, so... This wasn't my thing, so um. But then I tried it, and, and now it's definitely my thing. <laughs> so, yeah. And, you know, and Gwyneth, I have a question. What was it? I mean, okay. so you you were on nine medications, and yep. and then you discovered the cannabis was was effective for you. What was the cost difference? It had to have been huge. And the physical difference. Well, the physical difference was huge. So the cost difference, you know, I mean. I had insurance, so uh, they, it, they covered a lot of it. I mean, I had co-pays sometimes, but I, I would say my my I was on a on a drug Capaxon, which was my multiple sclerosis drug, and that drug um, retailed for ninety one thousand dollars a year. Oh my god! So, wow! Um, oh my god. I was on I was up to eighty milligrams of Adderall a day. Um, if I could remember, I, w- I think that the, that cost is around $600. And again, these are ab- absorbed by my insurance company. But as we know, down the road, we all end up paying for that. So um, because Capaxone, my injectable, is only 15000 I think, in Germany, and it's 91000 here. But, um, so yeah, it was um, significant. So now when I, when I think of what I... What I would pay for an, a, a month of medical marijuana, hmm. man, I mean, I, maybe I would say like an ounce. So let's, let's say um, an ounce or, or a good ounce is what, like 300, 350 now, depending on state regulations. Let's, yeah. let's hope it doesn't go up higher than that because cannabis is expensive. So, um, yeah, I think uh, between that and I also, I am. Um, and no, I side, with no, it. no side effects. Like, no, the, like Adderall and, and all that stuff. Weed doesn't really do that to you. Right. Well, Adderall spiked my blood pressure 40 points. Uh, weed definitely wow. doesn't do that. When I, was, um, when I was diagnosed, I was told that, you know, medical marijuana may affect my memory, and I retired because of my memory loss. Um, um, but I felt that at that point, my memory loss was significant, and I was thrown up all the time. So... <laughs> I said, okay, so I'll forget maybe a little bit more. It turns out I haven't forgotten in, anymore. I take memory tests every year, and my memory is stable. Um, and that's because you can find different strains of medical marijuana um, that could combat the the memory loss. You, you look for those that have the pining terpene. The, the terpene pining, by the way. So Gorilla Glue is a good one. So, so speaking of glue, like weed hasn't led you to sniffing glue or... Cocaine. Oh, the gateway theory. The gateway drug. 
Well, listen, uh, no, let's let's not laugh because you know people are listening. That's true. And they think about this, and they've been told this, and the movies that have been put out in, in grade school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're a very classy, smart person that people trust. Who 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 didn't smoke weed and now does? Have you jumped to other drugs? Right. Have you had an urge? I have not jumped up. Not at all. Not at all. I'm not sniffing cocaine. I'm not shooting heroin. I'm not on opioids. Cannabis is enough. It's enough. And I understand there are a lot of people who, who still believe the gateway theory, and no matter what you tell them, that even the federal government has debunked this. Um, it, 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 has, it has been disproven. It, it does not exist. The government has even acknowledged that. Um, but you still have a lot of people because they've been subjected to 60 years of propaganda, anti-cannabis, anti-marijuana propaganda. And it was very effective. And people don't change their minds until they see other people functioning and those people are users. I was surprised when I came out of the cannabis closet, as it's called, how many people that I knew every single day, um, friends, family, they all said, oh, yeah, I do, too. But no one talks about it. But these are functioning members of society, upstanding members of society, who, yeah, decide that they don't want to drink. Instead, they want to have a couple of puffs. And I'd, I would rather be on the road with somebody who had a couple puffs than somebody who had a six-pack. Even I, though it is still illegal to indulge in them. I would tell you, uh, I don't know. I'd rather somebody have a couple of beers and some puffs because the weed today, oh, it's is good, so oh. strong. It's it's too strong for me. It's good. It's too strong. And, and Charlie, while I understand some people may like that, I want people to be aware that if you do that, you intensify the effects of both. So, so get some I'd, get some light beer and some low level weed <laughs> and even the shit out. <laughs> you know. So well, listen. I'm not like saying beer. that. Prop okay. one passed. Prop one. So we yeah. will be legal. Let me give you just a couple questions here. When okay. can I possess legally? When can I have my cigarettes, my marijuana reefer cigarettes? Ten days after the election has been certified, the uh, personal liberties uh, become established in um, in Michigan. The retail framework would take about a year, but um, so 10 December, days after the December. vote is certified. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can walk around with an ounce. Two and a half ounces. Uh, 2.5, actually. Yeah. Okay, so and you can have an additional 10 at home. And it doesn't have to have and a stamp growing, on it or anything like that? Like, look, doesn't if, have it's, to have a what? if it's not legal to sell it and I'm holding it and it's not, I don't have a uh, medical card, where's the origins of that? That seems like a really gray well, area. Well, people... Well, people still have the right to um, to grow it in their home. Uh, you you have the right to yes, twelve plants. You still have that right to grow if, in your if home. If you're registered, and also, no, no, the it, law it, allows for home grows. That that's what you do in your home. Um, really? Obviously, if you're renting a home, yes, yes, absolutely. We we worked hard to get these protections for people I did not because know again, that. did you know yeah. that, Bob? I did not. I did, I didn't know yeah. that there was restrictions on how much you could, how many plants you could. Grow. I knew there was for the caregivers. But for recreational, I didn't realize. Well, can that. I grow it in my yard, Anquinette? Like just natural it dirt. It has to be secured, and it has to be obstructed from view. Does it have to be both, or can it just be obstructed from view? I believe obstructed from view and secured, so both. I got to put a cage around it. Most likely, yeah. 
a shed would be better, I believe. A greenhouse, yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, you can. There are outdoor grows, and um, but you yeah, know they call you, it you weed for a reason. It grows well. so easily. To be honest with you, when I lived out in Oakland, California, I just threw seeds in my garden. You don't have to attend to this stuff. It goes crazy. Yeah, it grows like right. a weed, but uh, you know yeah. the, the 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 people who really grow artisanal weed are artists. You know what Bourdain would call you? A douchebag. <laughs> You're like a craft beer guy. I like my craft oh. marijuana. Man, I, I like right. earthy stuff, you know. I, mean, I don't need oh. no psychotropic, I'm off to the moon. Wait, and, wait, and Charlie, I just yeah. don't want to forget this. And Bob, too. You can also, it, it, it becomes legal for someone to give you cannabis. So, correct. correct, yeah. Yeah, so, so you, can, you can gift it all you want. So well, maybe have you been out to Frisco lately where, you know, it's, it's legal? It's like... You know, at Denver, you know, like I've been to Vegas and I've been to Denver several times. Man, they're, ju- they're just bums flopping around, like you know, just smoking the reefer on the on the on the sidewalk or the laying. In California? Oh, yeah, oh man, Frisco's crazy. Well, in Michigan, you can't. Well, that would be illegal here. Yeah, you can't smoke in public. <laughs> it's not legal in can't California either, but but they do. Bye bye, cats out of the bag. Yeah, cops got better right. things and to I, do. I, I, and they I, I do. think that here in Michigan, I, I think that when I look at the activists, um, yeah, you know, you have people at Hash Bash, and that's the kind of open thing that the cops look the other way. But a lot of people have fought so hard for legalization. I mean, I, I've, I've stood alongside people who've been fighting this since I, I, John Sinclair. I mean, I've met John Sinclair. So this fight has been happening since 1971. Um, these people want to show that we are responsible. So um, I think that there's going to be a lot of, um, I would hope that there would be a lot of um, um, being sensitive to the fact that, yes, even a legalization has resoundingly passed in Michigan. We still have a responsibility to be tactful and respectful of people's public spaces. Just like with your booze, right? Just like with your booze. So now I I get to come out of the closet because it's legal. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. Everybody, even my ma smoked it with me before. My ma. Really? Yeah, That's you know. That's cool. Yeah. I tried to get my mom to smoke, but she can't inhale. There, you know, there are a lot of people who have no idea how to inhale. Is your mom a Bill Clinton? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just keeping it political. I, I, have no. a, I have a question. I have a question, Q. Mm-hmm. Did when uh, last Tuesday on Election Day, how good did it feel to vote for legalization? I, I. It- it gave me chills, but I have to say, and I know this is kind of political too. What, what, um. What really made me proud was to, to vote for Dana Nessel. Yeah. Um, um, Dana Nessel and Gretchen Whitmer and everything. But, but yeah, to, to, just, to me, the victory was getting it on the ballot. What happened after that was, you know, as they say, the will of the people. But in 2016, when the state went to such great odds to make sure that it stayed off the ballot, that was just so wrong to me. And, and so... You know, there wasn't a guarantee that it was going to pass, but I felt that 300,000 people put their names on a petition saying, I want this on the ballot. And the state, you know, for whatever reason, um, fought them tooth and nail to keep it off the ballot so that it has to have a whole new round of funding and support and finally get it on the ballot. To so many people, that was the, that was the victory. And then this, of course, is, you know, the, the sparkle on top. Well, here's the thing. But yeah, that people got to, to say how they felt was great. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing, though. This is still illegal. It's illegal at the federal level. We're creating a constitutional crisis when, when 
states thumb their nose at the supremacy clause. You have a dispensary. You just opened it. You can't even put your money in the bank because that's still drug laundering, laundering of drug money, correct? Actually, no. There are some banks that have decided to do business with this cannabis industry. Well, they're, um, they, they're taking they, a chance because they can be shut down they and are. prosecuted. Absolutely. So Absolutely. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't name these banks on the air, would you? I would not. Right. I would not. No. But, um, but yeah, it's a danger. But luckily, and here's the thing about the conflict between state versus feds. We in the industry and we in the movement believe that as more and more states come online and say we want to legalize adult use, it forces the, the federal government to do something. At least it should force the federal government to do something. If the majority of the country wants this substance legalized, what happened to the will of the people? Who do you work for? And also, this is another reason for people to become more politically engaged. I was appalled when I saw the influence of drug companies and insurance companies, because you don't see this until you are a patient with an expensive, rare disease. And you're always on the phone fighting with insurance companies. My insurance company cut me off. My long-term disability insurance company cut me off two months after they approved my disability. Why'd they cut you off? They said that uh, they felt that my job was a desk job and that I could do it. Mind you, I had already already been off. Oh, and they ignored. They ignored the recommendations that I quit working from four doctors. I had two neurologists and neuropsychologists and a nurse practitioner say she should not be doing live television for hours at a time every day. They ignored all of that and cut cut me off. And this insurance company, which is also a very large health insurer, does this all the time, so much so that nine other states have sued them for this, and they have have paid uh, penalties for this in the millions of dollars. So when I called the state of Michigan and I said, this has happened to me, and I talked to other MS patients, heart patients, this insurance company did the same thing to them. And the state told me it was not their jurisdiction, which isn't true. <laughs> so Yeah, so the people got to take it back to the earth when they have. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grown. I'm not growing it. We're going to grow it in Warren <laughs> um, commercially, but... Um, can I invest? Yeah, can I invest uh, in this? So, so when uh, the tobacco company comes to try to buy it up, I can, I can have some <laughs> retirement. Can I get in? You looking for investors? We are not looking for investors. Well, you know, I take that back. Um, if, if people are serious about um, investing, there are groups that are serious about investing because we would like to, you know, we would like to be able to um, maybe expand. No, me. Sure. I'll, I'll call you. Okay, I, I, I don't want the audience investing too. I, I'm, I'm looking for an opportunity. Here. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> well, and I, I, I know you opened your your store on Election Day. How have things been going? Great, great. People have been very, very kind, um, and and it's been wonderful to um, to help a lot of people. Uh, the the phone calls you get from people after they have been in pain for so long. Um, and then they try a couple of drops of something, and they can't believe it. Well, Charlie, you know, you'll appreciate this, um, even though he hasn't been there yet. But my, my patient was Ike McKinnon. 
Um, you can't I, do I that. Down. There's HIPAA rules. What are you doing? He, no, no, no. I know. He told me I can share his Oh, story. sweet. The former chief of police. Yeah. Smoking. Yeah. He's a weed All patient. Right. That's cool. No, no. He does not, he, well, he does not smoke. I didn't say he did. He does not get high. Okay. Oh, right. <laughs> he doesn't what, get It's high. an oil. But Is it the oils? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, and there's okay. just people that, you know, he's had three failed back surgeries. And he's like, you know, people are getting older. And I don't know if you know I me. Mean, he's 75. Man, these older people, are they're like more active than me. My wife wanted me to <laughs> ask you that about, you know, people who had to go to like Colorado to get, you know, the... The non, it doesn't get you high, but the, the, the extractions, the oils, they were get, taking their children there almost like it was some kind of um, advanced. Yeah, they're medical refugees. Yes. They're, they're literally considered medical refugees. And yeah. that, that'll be legal here now as well. Yes, but for medical patients, that has, all, that has been legal for 10 years. Um, it, Do you have to go to a doctor for this, or can we, we go to you? Yes. Well, um, once it becomes retail in about a year, then, yeah, any, anyone over the age of 21 will be able to come to us. Well, how do we but know that this stuff now, actually works? Well, how do we know it's not like echinacea pills? You just think it works. <laughs> What's the science behind it? And if it's There's real science... There's lots of science behind it. There's do, absolutely lots of do science. Do doctors prescribe it? it? No, because we live in a, in a country where... Well, actually, when you get a card, doctors can't prescribe it because it's federally illegal and they could lose their, their license. What a doctor can do is recommend that you have a card because you have a condition uh, that is, is a qualifying condition in your state. And then it's on you to, through a lot of trial and error to figure out which strains um, and what properties work for you. Illuminating. So, Illumin- right, the doctors illuminate. don't know much. So you have they, a they dispensary. So you have a dispensary. And now that marijuana... And Michigan is called a provisioning center, by the way. We can't use the term dispensary. Provis- it's illegal for me to say dispensary. It's called what? Provisioning center. Provisioning center? Yes. So it's medical, right? Yes. Correct. So once this becomes legal, will you no longer be a medical center? Will you just we will be-, be a medical center. Yeah. You will, you will stay a medical center. Our, our, absolutely. Okay. And in Michigan, the... Um, I can't any put then in Michigan because we're in Michigan. Um, it's uh, the only facilities that would be allowed to have um, an over 21 or adult use um, license would be facilities that already have a medical license, at least for the first year or two. I can't remember how how it's structured in the the ordinance. Do you have to get new licenses and and things to to, to sell retail? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And those provisions have not been in place yet. That's what this year is going to take, right? Correct. Okay. And mind you, it, it, it's taken a year for them to, to, they're still in the process of licensing medical facilities. They have, I think, 800 um, applications, and they've only gone through a, a little over maybe 100. Wow. You know what? You're, so, a, great re- you're a great reporter. <laughs> Will you I be... Miss it. Charlie, we're trying to. We're trying <laughs> thank to. Thank you for that. Re- thank you for the compliment. Well, we're trying to put a show together. We're trying to put a. Oh, thank you very much. Trying to put a show <laughs> together. You. Will you be our weed expert? Can we call you when we have questions? I would love. I would love. Thank uh, you. Awesome. Now let me say this because we have to go into the next segment of the show, but you know when I'm done taking my glaucoma medicine, when I'm just feeling <laughs> a little famished, you know what I like to do. What's that? I like to go get a couple of uh, American Coney Islands. They're delicious. Oh, they're delicious. Okay. They're, they're original. They're holistic. They have Vidalia uh-huh. onions. 
homemade I do chili. Love onions. Yeah, Vidalia specifically. Mm-hmm, o- open the sweet ones. Open yeah, exactly. Open twenty four <laughs> hours a day, seven days a week, in downtown Detroit. And if you can't get there, you can always order online at AmericanConeIsland.com, and you can ship Coney kits to anybody you like in the entire world. Did you know that? In the entire world? I did not know that. Me? I did not know that. No. Okay, so what's the website for that? Thank you. AmericanConeIsland.com. Oh, it might not it be good for your health, <laughs> but it's good for your soul. <laughs> it is. Hey, Q, before we let you go, I, I, have, I have one question. When you okay. coming? When you coming back to Fox Two? I'm not going back to Fox. You mean oh. like on TV, just for a story, or you mean to no, work there? No, I, I want you. I want you working. She can't, dude. You, I, she's sick. I know she's sick. Oh no, no. Oh, you, I, but, the thing is, it's, I had to get a lawyer to sue my insurance company to reinstate me. So oh, I'm, geez. I'm back on. I'm disabled. I'm on disability. Well, we miss you terribly. I miss you guys. She's too. right here. She's working again. She's the correspondent for No Bullshit News. That's right. Hour. <laughs> You just put you back to work. Q, this is, how, this is how you subscribe to this show, okay? You just go to... I already have. Oh, that is freaking... What do you think? There's but you of, can tell your people. She's that good. <laughs> tell, tell the people, your people, our people, tell them what? Hey, all I did was I went to the app store on my iPhone, and you just look into the podcast, and you just put in no BS news hour, and bam, it pops up easy. You click on subscribe, and you're in. See that? Or you can just look up LaDuff. You know that, right? Oh, man. Seriously? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> All right, lady. Listen, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you're feeling well. Congratulations. Uh, huge thank culture you. shift that basically we all just came out of the closet. That's it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Doesn't it. it feel good? Well, it does you know, feel good. I, I, let me put it like this. I don't care one way or the other. I'm my own man. I just want to thank you for doing the work and, uh, you know, you were brave, and the people are behind you, and even the people that might not want it legal, most people don't give a shit. So what you did is you're really doing something with your life, and the culture's changed, and you've really had a lot to do with it. So every thank life you, is meaningful. You, Yours is wow, really meaningful. thank you. And so thank you, and I'll talk to you, and thanks for being on. Of course. Thank you. Thanks, guys. See you, later. you both. See ya. Yeah, wow. What a lady. I mean, really. Sometimes you're a leader. Sometimes you're a follower. Sometimes you're a dropout. No matter which one you are, you're still my family. We belong to each other. And you know what? Speaking of family, Jody Intern. Yes, the No Bullshit News Hour had our reporters... Out at the polls on Tuesday, we sent Joe with his homemade Make America Great Again hat, and which went to the dollar store and got his red hat and put some silver duct tape on it and wrote whatever he did. You know, Joe was a lifelong Democrat and got turned off. And, you know, Joe does what Joe does. We uh, edited it up. Uh, it's important to say Joe lives in southwest Detroit, Mexican town. And uh, so he was at the polls just taking the temperature. Hey, Bob. Yes, sir. You got Joe's piece? Uh, we do. Put it up. Fuck Joe. Hold on. He can hold on. 
I'm out here to talk to other voters. How you doing, man? Let me holler at you for a minute. What do you think about the uh, this immigration, this caravan coming? The Democrats want to just let them come on in, and Republicans are like, no, we got a process for that. What do you think? I think this is a free country, you know. If you was in line to get your uh, something handed out to you, and somebody came and bogarted the line and cut in front of you, you'd want to knock them out, wouldn't you? No, I would want to knock them out. What do you think? Do you think we should just let them come on down? Yeah, they should be able to come on down. Everybody, they all equal. They're equal, but they, they need to go through the, the process. What about... Well, let them get a chance to have a process. What about all the other people who had applied and waited two or three years? They, got, they can go through the process just like they had to go through the process, but they, they still need a chance. They deserve a chance. Okay. Are you a Trump the, a supporter? Uh, you are. Yeah, yeah, you are. We can tell uh, by your face. Hillary. And your hat. Obama for life! That's middle situations right here in America. Right. We got <laughs> so, people starving here in America. That's right. That's, Homeless people here. That's right. Poverty Home, in, in, in America. Homeless so they, and starving children. So should we take care of them, or should we kick them to the curb and bring in more hungry moms? Well, I always believe we should take care of our own people first. I mean, take care of our own first, then let's take care of other people. I was just wondering if I could holler at you for just a second about... I'm not going to ask you how you're going to vote. No, no, no. I, I don't want to know how you feel about the uh, immigrant situation, the, the caravans, people coming up here wanting to get in for free. I don't want to talk about it. Okay. There's a certain way to go about it, but then again, I understand they want to come for a better, you know, the American dream. But at the end of the day, you know, everybody, there's the way they're going about it is not the way they're reacting at the Mexican border throwing rocks, trying to break down the barricade to get to the U.S., it's not the right way to do it. Okay. You know what I mean? It's just bringing negativity. Now, you're Latina, right? Yes. Um, have you immigrated here? Are you born here? No, I um, was born here, born and raised here. Um, but I do have family members that are, you know, immigrants of Hispanic descent. They're fleeing bad economic conditions mainly, right? And crime. Crime because Crime is everywhere, you know what right. I mean? So no matter what. when they come here, they're going to find the same thing. There's not a whole lot of jobs. Economic conditions aren't as great as The thing as you is, though, well, yeah, but a lot of the Hispanic people that don't have documentation but can find a job within a week and find somewhere to stay and whatnot, and you have people that do have documentation who rather be on a corner panhandling or sleeping under bridges. Like, there's jobs out there, but a lot of Americans feel entitled to have get paid better than minimum wage. You got to start somewhere. You right. can't start at a job and expect to get $15, $16 an hour. You can't be at a fast food place and expect to be getting $15, $16 an hour. You know what I mean? And then you have medical assistants and doctors getting paid similar to what you're getting paid, and it's not fair. No bullshit. Wow. You know, you know, wow. What, you, you know what you got there? Southwest Detroit, you got a rainbow, a myriad of points of view. Let everybody come in. What about ours first? And that woman, particularly at the end there. She's smart. Completely smart. Like, listen, man, nothing's handed to you, but don't expect 15, and don't throw rocks and bum-rushing the shit, but be kind. Like, that woman is like me. Like, be legit. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
I'm not. Man, I actually talked to a bunch of, uh, actually about at least four or five different people that were just like her who said the same thing she did. So, so I mean, you know. She's uh, not a minority. So, Joe, that, that interview there uh, on your yeah. ongoing education here, me as your professor, that, that thing there at the end was, was spectacular, really good. But in the beginning, right. you're asking leading questions of people like, you know, isn't this shit? And you, you, you're sounding like Jim Acosta here. You know, you're, you know what I mean? You, you know what I'm talking about? Right. You want to let, just yeah. leave room for people to talk. And w- within the conversation, let your point of view be known. Because that's fair. But don't try to set them up, like, to your point of view. Because, quite frankly, you're a freaky nut with a homemade MAGA hat on running around in the dark in southwest Detroit. But that second half, Joe, real professional. Yeah, good job, Joe. Yeah, you 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 you're getting this, Joe. You're getting it. You really are. That right. th- that was the best stuff from the polls. I'm surprised you guys only picked one like her because I talked to at least four or five. Hey, dude, people. stop bitching! Stop it! We had to edit it. Yeah, we got to edit you, man. And by the way, you know, Mannix is saying stop playing with the volume, set it and leave it, because all that stuff you think was great. Didn't work because the sound was getting blown out because you were fucking with the technical end of it, which is the stuff you said you learned at Spex Howard. So. Well, the level is recorded really, really low, so I have to bring the whole thing up. Well, you, you screwed it up. It. I'm just trying to tell you. Like, you're always like, well, where's the rest of it? You start editing it. Well, I didn't throw I didn't throw a limiter on it like uh, I had in the past weeks past. I've been throwing a limiter on it. Right. This time I thought I could get by without the limiter. Maybe you should but, thank us, your professors, instead of busting our balls yeah, that we didn't edit it your way. Leave the limiter on. We'll adjust the levels. Did you hear that way? Bob is a pro. What'd you say, professor? I said leave the limiter on. We'll adjust the levels. Leave the limiter on. We'll adjust the levels. Because it was all over the place. Yeah, it was all over the place. But your questions were really good, Joe. You did a good job asking the people about the caravan. So you're, right. you're and then they were your own questions. This week I didn't write you questions. You're really doing well. You do and the I, the people are really liking you, Joe. They really are. You're the everyman. Right. Don't listen, I notice you're getting cocky here too. Just <laughs> be humble. Right? Just be and Joe. Stop posting the shit on Facebook before the show. Yeah. Come on. Take it easy. What you... did I post? I did not yeah, post do it. Anything. Oh. <laughs> I, I, man, I, I responded to you. Cut it out, Joe. You're giving the show away. Yeah. Tell people to tune in. Don't don't post shit. Yeah, let's just say, well, I was fat. Take a picture. Do a do a Facebook. Out here, do it, you know. No bullshit news hour at the polls. Tune in, you know, tune in Sunday, right? Got it? Now we're teaching you advertising. Oh, listen, I, I got it. Which is part of the biz. Dude, I got a guy that's got a tweed jacket for you, man. What's your size? Tweed. Tweed, baby, tweed. Classy. Classy. And we're going to get you a um, pipe, too, and then you can be a professor. Okay. Oh, Probably either large or extra large. Okay, and then, by the way, we did give Joe a makeover. Um, sort of. Sort of. What do you mean, sort of? He's still the same Joe. I mean, you had Wasam come to the house and basically harangued me for about 45 minutes about how fucked up I look. He gave me a shirt that's too, or a suit that's too tight to wear. And 
told me I needed to get my toenails. <laughs> well, that may don't work. Well, Joe, when 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 you hear that, you hear that. Yeah, when, toenails. When someone tells you to get your toenails cut, you need to get your toenails cut. I mean, for Christ's sake, that's not Joe. something that comes up. Joe, <laughs> I bet you. I bet you after you clipped them, you chewed on them, didn't you? You fucking did. Oh, he fucking did. What? He fucking did. Chewing what? What? I chewing on his toenail clipping. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, listen, get, get back to screwing in the light bulbs, man. We got to wind up the show. Good work. I'll talk to you this weekend. Sorry, right, man. My man. All right, Joe, thanks, man. Yep. Good job. And happy Halloween. Right. We got some Joe out music? Uh, yeah, we don't got shit. No. Did we ever download the damned? No. All right. Yeah, well, okay, we'll do All right, we'll see you, Joe. All right, uh, listen, we, we, I, I'm, I'm going to throw all this stuff away, but let me just go real quick. In the media. Hey, thanks, Joe. In the media, um, to me, uh, haranguing the president at a press conference, not the place to do it. There's a more clever way to do it. Number two, when protesters, uh, look, I know Tucker Carlson. He's a friend of mine. We don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. Some things we do, a lot of things we don't. Leave his fucking wife alone. Don't go to his house. Nah, that's trouble. In Lansing, the journalists that cover... The governor's office are going to be throwing him a private party. I'm just against that. I'm against that. And finally, you know who I'm for? Anthony Bourdain. This week, Sunday, if you get this Monday, you know, you can you can get it. I'm sure they're going to run it on CNN for a long time. You can get it probably streaming. I'm sure you can. But uh, I wrote a little something about uh, Tony for Deadline Detroit. I suppose they could have Got it someplace in a New York periodical, but He's this is dude. about Detroit. He loved Detroit. He loved you. Here's what I wrote. I'm just going to go out on this. I, it's, it's usually lame radio to, to read, but I'm going to because it's my radio. And uh, we'll see you next week, right, after I read this, Bobby? 10-4. Yeah, here, man. Let's, uh, pour, pour us a drink, man. We'll toast Tony here. We will have a drink. Here's the story. Can I get another Tony ass looking lustily at the pack of Winstons on the seat of my brother's old checker cab I was driving? Be my guest, I said. I'm really not supposed to be smoking, he informed. I've got a touch of emphysema. How the fuck do you got a touch of emphysema, I asked. He'd been smoking like a pile of burning leaves. This must have been his fourth. Hard living in bath salts, he said deadpan. He torched up a cigarette, the last in the pack and lead out the window like a long silver-haired wolfhound, exhaling a plume across Shane Street. Anthony Bourdain, elegant bad boy, epicurean, swashbuckler, the world's most interesting man, was afraid the dash cam would capture him smoking and his part-time wife would find out. His true wife, of course, was The Road, shooting 20 episodes a year for a CNN show, Parts Unknown, jumping from the Congo to Tokyo, and now for the season finale, Detroit. It was a warm July in 2013. I pulled over to the liquor store to get another pack of smokes, six bottles of Heineken, and a bag of pork rinds. He offered to pay, but his hand moved conspicuously slowly for his pocket. <laughs> we stood on the corner and drank the beer. This made him nervous. Not the surroundings of broken glass and broken people and gaunt dogs, but the schedule. We were freelancing and behind time. 
Tony, it quickly became apparent to me, was a stickler, a punctualist, a neurotic, wound tight like a pocket watch. The shoot for his show had been planned to the minute, but I had convinced him to take a ride to parts unknown and unplanned and unmanaged. I pointed out a goat's garden, those snatches and riots of flowers and fauna that grow in the front yards of long abandoned houses, a reminder that people did and still do live here. He understood the sentiment. It captured his imagination and became the long, languid close of his Detroit story. Many in the metro area hated the elegy to the city, and I can understand that. After all, someone's grandmother lived in that house, someone's grandma planted those flowers, and we, her grandchildren, are still alive. One prick I know said, Bourdain concentrated on dirt bags and losers. I will never forgive that prick for that. Sadly, Tony took his life this year at the end of a bathrobe belt. He was 61, the same age as Ernest Hemingway when he took his life. Even the world's most interesting men hurt. The news of his death still hurt, makes me hurt. His final show airs this Sunday. I was driving by that liquor store the other morning in the lonesome rain and decided to visit a few places we'd visited. How did Detroit look after five years? Five years after the bankruptcy. There is the mega development downtown, much of it financed with tax breaks and public dollars. We know that much, and that much is all we seem to acknowledge. But like Tony wrote, empty lots and burned out buildings are bad, but our cupcake shops galleries and artisanal baristas necessarily better? Maybe, probably, but maybe not. And we better ask ourselves this if that's what we want. I was introduced to Tony in the late 90s by his mother Gladys, who was my copy editor at the New York Times. He was a cool enough guy, New York to his core, ragged, wise-assed, urbane, and tall. Then he hit it big with the book Kitchen Confidential, the insider's Bible to chefs everywhere. He parlayed that into traveling uh, around the world, a food show, for the next 16 years. He craved the authentic, a whiff of the dignity of the person who made the food as much as the scent of the food itself. He was about people in parts unknown. And what American city is 90% parts unknown? Detroit, most certainly. I drove him to a friend, Rochelle Jones, who had a pop-up barbecue and soul food restaurant on the front lawn of her home on the rotting east side near Charlevoix. Only two houses on her block were occupied. I believe the word Tony used to describe her collard greens was luxurious. When Anthony Bourdain says something like that about your cooking, luxurious, you're destined to leave the lawn for a storefront at the very least, maybe even a food truck. A customer had pulled up with a cooler full of beer on ice in the trunk. He had tall boys of Guinness. It was perfect. It's all gone now. Rochelle works full-time as a custodian on the Behavior Award at a health center on Connor. Put out of the food business last year by repeated basement floodings brought on by poor city infrastructure. She tried to get the city to help, but the city has no money left over from its downtown spending spree to fix pipes on an east side street with two families. They're not coming, I know, she told me, but that's life out here and anywhere else, I suppose. You just gotta maintain. I'll be back. I know I will. We stopped and had a thimble of cognac with the barber, Tony and I. I'm impressed 
How Detroiters can make it work, Tony said, lifting his glass in appreciation. The barber didn't cut it for long. The place is now boarded up and abandoned. We went on to have a long dinner of oxtails and yams, greens, blueberry cobbler, and homemade wine at the Full Belly Cafe at Nevada and Mound near the 11th Precinct. Tony's crew said it was the best food they'd had in Detroit, and I agree to this day. Isabel Gaddy, the proprietress, thought the people of the neighborhood and the police deserved wholesome, organic cuisine. She never made money. Isabel tried to expand over the years, but was outbid for the adjoining side lots by a downtown speculator who never developed. I'm a black woman, she said. I thought City Hall wanted to help people like me. I don't feel so now. She went looking for a liquor license, thinking that would draw a local crowd. But the price for a license had ballooned from 14000 to 75000 in just two years since nearly all of the licenses had been bought up by downtown speculators. Then Isabel fell ill. Then came seven surgeries. The boards went up and the signage fell down. I can't use a broom, she told me by telephone, but I can still cook. My kids want me to leave Detroit, but I'm home. I'm an antique. I still dream of opening the restaurant back up. The Engine 23 firehouse on the boulevard is still there, although Engine 23 has been permanently mothballed. The men still battle on, and the coffee is always warm. On Robinwood Street, some houses have been demolished, lifting it halfway from hell. But the sidewalks are new and lead to nowhere, an incredible waste of money. Most other houses are boarded and barred and have cameras mounted from the roofs and have peepholes carved in the doors. Cops don't drive by here. This is that other Detroit, if you want to acknowledge, through the boom of the downtown building dust, the one filled with all the tough sons of bitches who stuck it out, who fought and continue to fight for their families, their homes, their way of life. This is the Detroit Tony Bourdain was attracted to, the authentic, the perpetual. He cared for people in a time when too few do. So here's to you, Tony, and you, Detroit, and you, Bobby. All right, thanks for listening. Remember, try to love one another.